Okay, hello and welcome. I have a milestone episode of the Sports Leadership Podcast. This is episode 10 um, with Kevin DeShazo of Culture Wins Championships. I am your co-host, Mark Hodgkin. Um, and today we are going to talk about something that really can't be talked about enough when it comes to leadership, and that's uh, that of communication. A lot of times I'm thinking um, you know, about interactions either at work or at home or whatever, and something I like to say is, you know, communicate that communicate then communicate some more it's you really really can't over communicate so we've talked about a couple times um up until now of really understanding what it's like to be um on the other side of you as a leader and what um other people are hearing um i think that's something we're going to get into today it's also important how you craft your message um to communicate to people you work with or work for you or people you work for so, Kevin, why don't I kick it over to you, talk a little bit about uh, the five voices that we're going to get into more on this episode um, and kind of how they came about. Absolutely. And and this is, like I say this with a lot of the stuff we've we've talked about, this is one of my favorite topics. Um, this is one of my favorite sessions that we get to do with teams because I feel like there's just so many ahas that come from this session. Uh, I think leaders are communicators, right? It is a, uh, the foundation of a healthy culture is we have to learn to communicate and I think a big issue that, that most of us feel the tension that everyone speaks, but not everyone is heard. And so we have some voices who are just overpowering, some voices who are very quiet, some voices who um, struggle to get their ideas out, and, and every voice matters. And, and so what we want to do today is help people kind of get some freedom in realizing what their natural leadership voice is, um, but also, as, as you mentioned, realize what it's like to be on the other side of them. As we mentioned in the last episode of Five Years, um, all these voices are good. There can be some negatives with each of these voices. Every voice has what we would call a weapon. So we do a, a session that we call Best Fit with Teams. It, it's, a, it's a deep dive into self-awareness. Um, sometimes we say it's, we like to introduce yourself to yourself in realizing who you are, how you're wired, what your, what your personality makeup is. Um, and it's based off of Jungian typology, Myers-Briggs. It's, it's not officially those things. We just do a, a much deeper dive on it to really validate what your personality is and knowing that you're, you're not a label, right? You're not just an ISTJ or an ENFP. You're a mix of everything. But where that can be sometimes confusing to remember, right? I'm an ENFP. I'm a red dot. I'm a eight with a wing three. Like all these personality assessments can be confusing and difficult to remember and, and to create a common language around those can be somewhat difficult. Uh, and so we built out what we call the five voices. And this um, came out of Jeremy Kubitschek and Steve Cockrum, uh, the two founders of Giant Worldwide. They have a book. Um, I highly recommend it. I don't get paid for this. Um, five voices book, uh, learning how to communicate effectively with everyone you lead. And it just brings a, a lot more clarity into our personalities and our communication styles. This is something we use at the office. Um, this is something we use with, in my family. This is something I use with all of my friends because we all know each other's voice now. And so we get to hear each other in a much clearer way um, and know what people are actually meaning rather than assuming uh, what they're meaning. Because typically we assume the wrong things. So there are five voices. And again, this is a two and a half, three and a half hour session with teams that we would go into great detail with. We're certainly not going to do that long of a podcast. So we're just going to hit some of these briefly, um, some of the key points of each voice to help you identify what your natural voice is, but what your voice order is. Realizing you've got, again, one voice that's really natural, um, but the ability to speak all of them, but your fourth and fifth are going to be pretty difficult. Uh, so the first voice is nurturer. These are nurturers think everyone deserves to be heard. Um, they, they're kind of the relational oil among a team. They know how people are going to respond and react to a new idea. They're always defending values. It's people before profit. 
Um, and they're, they're super committed to relational harmony. Uh, so before, during, and after meetings, they're just kind of making sure everyone's okay. Everyone knows they matter um, inside their head. They're wondering what, what people are going to be upset about. They're wondering who's going to hate the idea. They're wondering, is this really going to happen? Um, and do people actually care about what I think? Nurturers tend to not value their contribution, which can be a negative impact. Um, they tend to focus on the 5% of things that they don't do well, uh, as opposed to 95% of things that they do well. They can be overly resistant to change, can be passive, passive aggressive. Um, so that's kind of a negative impact of a nurturer. And their weapon would be what we call a medic kit, which doesn't sound like much of a weapon because it's not, right? They're, they are caretakers, they're nurturers. This is my wife's voice. Um, but each voice is a champion of something, and a nurturer is a champion of relational harmony, values, and people. So similar to what we do with five gears, kind of rate each voice, green, yellow, or red. You know, is this really natural for you to be a nurturer? Uh, is it is it not natural, but you can go there when you need to? Um, or is it red, which like, I, I'm just not capable of speaking that voice. That sounds not like me at all. Um, for me, that's a yellowish. That's that's my fourth voice. Um, 43% of people have nurturer as their foundational voice, which is really a significant thing. As we look at some of these percentages, um, they are very present focused, right? Cause they're caretakers. They know what needs to happen right now. They're not thinking about the future. That's 43% of people creatives. So their gifts, they see the future first. They have this like intuitive sixth sense of, of what, what's coming down the road. Um, they see how everything fits together. Big time thinkers out, uh, outside the box, um, good enough is never good enough. They want it to be as big and awesome and as incredible as it can possibly be um, with a strong desire for organizational integrity. Inside, they're asking, yeah, it's great, but does this actually get us closer to our vision? Like, your idea is cool, but how does it actually help us? Um, are we going to compromise our values in a way that that's going to come bite us, bite us in the butt later? Um, are you ready to listen to what I actually have to say? And why are we limiting ourselves? We can do so much better. Negative impact of a creative is they often kind of like a nurturer, they fail to celebrate the 90% that's been achieved by the team. Um, instead of uh, they focus on the 10% that hasn't actually been done. If it's not perfect, it's not worth discussing. Um, and idealism can often be paralyzing to them, right? If they can't, if they don't know how to make it perfect, they tend to not work. You can come back a week later, like, Hey man, how's this going? Oh, I've not done anything. Like what? Oh, I just don't know. Like how, how to even get started. It'd be really frustrating for a creative. Um, and they also have a tendency to, to, it's tough for us to hear them because they tend to be introverts. So they have these amazing, brilliant, um, incredible ideas in their brain. When they speak, people don't, don't hear what they're saying. So they get really frustrated. And then somebody else will bring that idea up two weeks later, but present it in a, in a more clear way, um, a voice that people understand more naturally. And people say, man, that's a great idea. And the creative's like, what? I said that two weeks ago. And everybody's like, that's not at all what you said. So sometimes it'd be really frustrating to be a creative. Um, if you're a creative feeler, Again, thinking Myers-Briggs, your weapon is the Hulk. You're generally you know, quiet and um, calm. But if someone questions your value or the values of the organization, you blow up. And you just go nuts on that person. The meeting gets really personal, really awkward. And everyone's like, wow, didn't see that coming. Who was that guy? And then you're embarrassed and you shrink back and you don't speak up for a while. If you're a creative thinker, your weapon is a sniper rifle. Someone says something you're not certain you agree with. You just have these snide, sarcastic remarks that come out and just pierce people. And again, it's super awkward. Um, and it just shuts down a meeting. A creative is a champion of the future, future ideas, organizational integrity, and social conscience. So again, rating your voice, green, yellow, or red. 
9% of people are creatives, which again is why it's going to be difficult to hear. Um, only 9% of people. Guardians, at their best, they're asking difficult questions. They're incredibly loyal, committed, trustworthy. Um, once they've agreed, they're all in. And they will get it done. They'll get it done on time. They'll get it done right uh, and on budget. They're always thinking, like, are we, is this the best way to use the money and our people? Um, they don't think about people, not because they're jerks. They're just thinking logically and truthful. Is this the right thing to do? Is this the best thing to do? Um, look, it's, it's, we've always done it this way, and it works. We don't need to break this. Let's not break from tradition just, just for the sake of change. Inside, they're thinking, is this worth the risk and the investment? You need to convince me that this change is necessary. Um, can we test it? The negative impact is that if they don't, if they don't agree, they can be really, really stubborn. Um, and their, their logic and truthful um, ways of thinking and speaking can really hurt people. Uh, and they appear to be overly critical. Their weapon is interrogator. So they, you bring an idea to them and they're just going to pop, 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 going through everything, trying to poke holes, shoot holes in your ideas. So you've got to be able to stand up to their critique. Uh, the guardian is a champion of truth and the stewarding money and systems. So again, rate that green, yellow, red. 30% of people are guardians. Again, huge. That means 73% of people are nurturers or guardians. Connectors, at their best, they're all about bringing breath to life, lots of relationships, lots of friends, lots of creativity, energy, persuasive communicators. Inside, they're asking, like, how can I connect this idea to the team? How can I make everyone see what I see? How, how can I get everyone to buy in? Um, is everyone still with me? Like they want to make sure everyone's still together. Again, connecting the team to the, to the idea or the vision. Negative impact, they can be people pleasers. Um, they're critiqued. They sell harder. Um, and they have a tendency of, of hijacking the conversation and always bringing it back to them. And a connector is a champion of relational networks, branding, messaging, internal collaboration. Their weapon is cyber warfare, which is really just gossip. They'll go around before me. Hey, did you hear that Jim said this? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad, don't you think? Yeah, what about what about Tammy? Yeah, I, I don't know about her. And they're just planting these passive aggressive seeds to try to take people out. In reality, what they're doing is taking themselves out. Eleven percent of people are connectors, and then finally we have the pioneers. At their best, these are strategic, military thinking futurists. Um, they're really courageous to make hard decisions. They're always about the, the vision and the future. Whatever we have to do to move forward, whatever we have to do to win, and they align resources and people to make that happen. Winning is everything. Inside, they're saying, who says we can't? You, you really don't get it? Like, you don't get how great this is going to be? Are you competent? That's their big deal. We've talked before on, on influence. They're all about competency and credibility. Negative impact, they can appear to be focused on themselves they tend to not hear all the five voices. They're the loudest of the voices. And they quickly get frustrated with people. And it can be a back me or fight me. You're either with me or you're against me. And again, that, that can just be really difficult for some people. They're a champion of uh, strategic vision, tough decisions, and problem solving. Their weapon? Rocket launcher. So they present this idea. Someone disagrees. <laughs> that person's blown up. Shuts down the entire meeting. Right, so it's a, a really devastating weapon. They've got to walk into meetings with that, uh, with that weapon on, on safety. 7% of people are pioneers. So there we've got it. That's the five voices. The nurturer, the creative, the guardian, the connector, and the pioneer. So Mark, what, what are your thoughts? How, how are the five voices? Um, what are some things you've learned through the five voices? And, and, and what is your natural voice? Yeah, my natural voice, um, as we went through this, was pretty pretty clearly guardian. You know, somebody who 
is probably more fact-based when they're making decisions, wants to see the evidence, um, probably has some, I don't know, kind of naturally devil's advocate personality. You know, I've always kind of been that way. The last couple of jobs I've had, if I, if I was working with somebody, and some of the best relationships I've had at work were with somebody who was maybe more of a big idea guy, tons of stuff that um, they want to do um, really outside the box, always coming with ideas. Um, and I'm kind of the one who, well, yeah, that sounds kind of cool, but um, have we thought about this or wouldn't that just bring up X, Y, and Z problem or whatever. So I've had to kind of balance that. And, you know, especially if, if I'm in a role where I'm overseeing people to try to make sure that there's not an instinctive barrier to making change, to making improvements, to thinking big. Um, so I've had to kind of remind myself of that, that, okay, this is the way I naturally think, but, you know, to be where I want to be professionally or where I want to provide value to my clients or partners, you know, I have to kind of take a step back on that. So that's kind of one of the things for me that, that, that has been kind of a revelation um, about this. And, and again, it's, it's one of those times where thinking about these and, and hopefully, you know, as, as you were describing them and you're, you know, the people out here listening can, can kind of hear that it should connect pretty quickly with, people in their office that they're surrounded by. I mean, they should be able to say, yeah, you know, that sounds like, uh, you know, Mike and over here, and this one sounds definitely like my boss. And that one definitely sounds like so-and-so. So thinking about that, it gives you the framework to really say, here's how I should present this to them. Um, you know, one of the things I think we've all been there and there's, there's probably not many things that are more frustrating than pleading your case and talking about something and giving ideas and then, feeling like nobody's hearing you. Um, when you talk about the, the creative, I've definitely had those moments where, you know, I feel like I have this great idea and I'm trying to get it out there and I'm just not articulating it the right way. It's like, it makes so much sense right in here, but it's, it's not getting through or the people who hear resistant, you know, keeping these things in mind about what, who you're talking to can really help. You know, if I'm talking to a pioneer, I'm going to frame this idea that I have for a new product or a new service this way. If I'm talking to a creative, here's the way I've got to kind of go around the tax. So that's really stuck up to me. So, you know, Kevin, how would you, if you're talking to somebody, you know, who's maybe out of school and they're trying to, to identify the best way to communicate with, you know, their boss or maybe their direct report, how do you how do you take that first step with the voices? Yeah, I think if you if you look at these voices, you know, we you don't you never really want to assume somebody else's voice, but you can generally see uh, who someone is. The tough part with with assuming is that you never know if they're operating out of stress. So you could have someone who's a connector like me, uh, who may be under extreme stress, who comes out like a guardian. Maybe they I've been stressed for two years, and so the only the only um, experience or interaction you have with me is, is in, in a guardian voice, which would not be my nature at all. But I think if you can do, we have a five voices assessment, uh, at fivevoices.com. It's free. Um, book is a great way to, to work through some of these things, realizing what your voice is, because then you have to speak in a completely different way. Most of us speak, uh, out of our own voice and, and we, and we hear out of our own voice, which causes us to be incorrect. And so if I'm a nurturer talking to a pioneer, that's going to seem really awkward. A, a nurturer is just going to be really quiet in that situation. They're quiet to begin with. They're going to be timid. They're going to be maybe a little bit um, scared isn't the right word. <laughs> maybe if the, guy, if, the, if, the, if the pioneer is just really overbearing and immature. Um, but you've got to be able to speak big picture. 
right? You got to be able to, to, to bring some hardcore challenge because that pioneer will never feel that challenge because they, they just don't view it that way, but it's so unnatural for a nurturer. So we've got to, if we want to connect, we have to speak their language. And I think this is where most leaders disconnect. We're working on a program with this right now for, for coaches, like in terms of recruiting, right? If you're, if you're recruiting a player and most coaches, I think, think that a player wants to hear all the big picture, how, how great things are going to be in the championships you're going to win and the facilities, all this big picture stuff. Well, maybe that player wants to know about class schedule and meal times and all these little small detailed pictures because they're a guardian. They want the logical piece or they're a nurturer. They want to know how you're going to be taken care of. And so your recruiting pitch changes from the student, from the potential or potential student athlete, but also to uh, their parents. You know, maybe you've got a pioneer um, tennis player and you've got a guardian mom. You know, you've got to change your pitch based on who you're talking to, not just speak out of your own, your own voice. And one of the things that we look at with the five voices as we really break this down is communication effectiveness. So how effective is each voice at communicating? What we mean by that is when, when, when someone with, you know, when a nurturer is speaking, how many people are actually hearing them clearly? And so this is really fascinating to me that when a nurturer speaks, and this is true for a guardian as well, 59% of people hear them. When a creative speaks, only 16% hear them. When a pioneer speaks, 31% of people hear a pioneer. And when a connector speaks, 47% of people hear. So a pioneer is the loudest voice, but, and they're incredibly overrepresented in leadership positions. They have a tendency to shut down every other voice. Only 30% of people are hearing them. So when a pioneer is sharing this big picture vision, we're going we're gonna to charge the hill, we're going to run, it's going to be amazing, we're going to win. The nurturer is like, yeah, but what about Jeff? Like, He's going to hate this idea. He may not make it through. Like we may end up eliminating his position or the guardians like we don't have the money for this. We don't have the systems for this. We don't have the right people for this. Like how are we actually going to get there? Like this sounds great, but show me that you know how we're actually going to get there. So they don't care about the vision, right? You have to, as a pioneer, you have to build a bridge for the nurture and the guardian for how you're actually going to get there. Uh, the vision matters, but you've got to make sure you can communicate in their voice or even a bigger picture of saying, Hey, here's our vision. What do you guys think we should do? How to do, how do build that bridge with us? How do you think we can get there? How is so-and-so going to feel about this? Because I don't usually think about the people. What's your sense of how people are going to respond? So we have to learn to, to um, allow every voice to bring their best. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You talk about pioneers being kind of overrepresented. You talk about 7% of the general population, the estimate. I'm guessing it's quite a bit higher with athletics directors and coaches. Um, if we're talking about the college space, it, it sounds like, you know, 30% hear that that sounds like a good number but that's still 70 percent that don't hear it um you know and from from a small group you know maybe it, it's kind of the opposite of the creative i guess not as many people is that correct here the creative more people hear the pioneer but there's still a lot of people who aren't relating to that and um you know it's easy to be coming from a position of authority or a position of power or that that kind of conversation recently, you know, what's the difference between authority and power and you know, power is something that comes from your position, whether you're the coach, do it or else. And authority is really kind of getting somebody to want to do it. At least that's um, uh, from the book I'm currently reading called the servant. Uh, so that's, that's an interesting question and, and definitely something that we should consider for working in a college environment with, with ADs and coaches. Yeah, it was a great point. And when you think again, we, we discussed this uh, a couple episodes back and looking at what kind of leader you are, right? Liberator, dominator, protector, abdicator, laying the five voices on top of that. 
So, okay, well, a pioneer is going to have a tendency to be a dominator, right? Because they're going to be heavy on challenge, low on support. Same thing for a guardian. A connector and a nurturer are both going to be heavy on support, low on challenge. So realizing, based on your voice, what kind of culture are you creating? Pioneers have a tendency, uh, if they're immature and insecure, to, to sometimes intentionally, I would say hopefully most of the time unintentionally, creating a, a dominating dominator-type culture, a culture of fear, a culture of mistrust, where the people think that, man, this, this guy or this girl is not, not for me, they're for themselves. And, and what that causes, if you have a pioneer culture, and again, pioneers are great. We, we don't move forward without pioneers. They have the courage to make those difficult decisions. But if, if, it's a, if it's a strong pioneer culture, they end up not hearing the truth from their team about what's really going on. And a, a real-world example of that, working with uh, an AD of a, a, a D2 school and, and pioneer, great guy, realized that his team had shut down. And he'd go into, into meetings, and there's just no... Uh, no feedback that, yep, whatever you think, boss, we'll do whatever you want. He's like, Kevin, like these guys just don't, they've got no ideas. Like I just hire a bunch of idiots and, and he's a good guy. He's just, he's just so stressed. Like that's the point that he'd gotten to. And I said, well, what do you think? So when we go through the core process, we've talked about it a little bit. That's his learning opportunity, right? My team's not speaking up. We said, well, own it. What's your role in that? Let's not blame your team. Let's look at your own role in that situation. How are you contributing to that? So he sat back and he said, and he goes, I don't give them space to think. And when they do give ideas, I usually cut them down and we just do my idea. It's, it's my way or the highway. And I said, okay, so, so how do we change that? And so he had a plan where he was going to start emailing his staff a week before or a few days before the meeting. Say, hey, give me a couple ideas. This is what we're going to talk about. I want you guys to bring ideas. Uh, I said, it's a great idea. I, I knew how it would go, but I said, that's a great idea. And so he emailed uh, or called me afterwards. And he said, man, this doesn't work. Uh, nobody spoke up. Nobody said anything. I said, why do you think that is? He said, I don't know. I told him I wanted their ideas. I said, yeah, but for, you know, four years, however long you've been there, all you've done is, is led as a pioneer. You've dominated them. So they, they don't speak up. They shut down. They don't think you actually want to hear your ideas. Just because you said you did doesn't mean um, you've shown that you actually want to hear their ideas. It doesn't change. You don't, they're not going to change overnight. Just like you're not changing overnight. I said, so you have to keep asking. I said, you might have to apologize you know what guys I've unintentionally done this. I, I sincerely apologize. I do care about you. I do care about your opinions. I do want to hear your ideas. Um, I'm trying to get better. Feel free to hold me accountable to that. Um, but I do want to hear your ideas. So over the course of the last few months, uh, he's not given any more ideas. Every time he comes to the, to the meeting, his team has ideas because they've realized he truly is trying to change and get better, uh, which takes a, a humble leader to do that, to be able to admit that. And so now he, so he calls the company and he goes, Hey, they're speaking up because, and they've got great ideas. I'm like, yeah, it turns out you're not the smartest person in the room. And so, but it's completely changed the culture of their team because he learned to speak their language and he learned to value their voice. And so we just have to be really, really intentional and careful about what it's like to be on the other side of our leadership and say, if, if they don't hear us, that's our fault, not theirs, right? We have to, we have to have the maturity to speak their language. Yeah, that's really the big takeaway, isn't it? And we've, we've talked about this in, in probably almost every episode of um, thinking about what it's like to be on the other side of us. And nobody's perfect with this. This is, a, is an ongoing process. It's not, you're not going to listen to this podcast, get out of your car, get into the office, and everything's going to change because you identify, okay, I know that I'm a guardian now or I'm a pioneer. I know that's how people are hearing me. You have to put this stuff into action. 
daily. It's part of the reason I think a lot of leadership training, a lot of conversations, and hey, the two of us, we don't pretend to have every answer. Uh, we're just trying to, to, to have good conversations and, and bring up these questions and talk about it and 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 open people's minds to some of these things. And, you know, it is a daily process and it's something we'll have to, to work at to get better at it. But it's definitely going to be worth it. It's like that old expression, can't promise you it'll be easy, but promise you it'll be worth it. Exactly. And it's, we, we don't get better unless we actually try, you know, us, we can talk about five voices, but if we don't actually act on it, then we, we don't get better. We can, and it's, it's awkward. It can be frustrating. So, so don't let us, um, anything you hear us saying suggests that this stuff is easy because it's, it's not, we're working through like our, our tendencies and our patterns that we built over the course of our entire lives. And it's really difficult. It can be really frustrating that there's, I mean, I apologize on a daily basis for, for things that I do wrong. Um, but the more I, I, learn to, to hear other people's voices. It's been huge with my wife and I. So she's a nurturer. I'm a connector. And us knowing that changes everything, right? Changes the way we communicate. So now, cause I'm this big picture guy, right? Like I was in, in Annapolis two weeks ago working with um, Navy's coaches and I texted her like, Annapolis is amazing. We should move here. And she knew I was joking now, but that's my personality. I'm like, this is an amazing place. We should move here. And Two years ago, she would have been stressed for three days thinking, oh gosh, Kevin's really serious. Okay, what about our kids? What about money? What about our friends and our house? So she's trying to build the bridge from where we are now to that future of moving to whatever town. And it's just creating stress because she just doesn't see how it's all going to come together. And I don't really care about it because I just talk about ideas. Uh, and so then after a few days, I'm like, hey, what's, what's the big deal? Why are you so frustrated? She's like, well, this, this move, I'm like, oh, we're not moving at all. But I didn't realize when I say these big ideas, she's taking them as, as truth. And she thinks this is, she's got to start developing a plan and she's thinking about how this is going to impact our friends and our family. So now when I text her that now, she knows that I'm joking. I realize like, man, I'm putting an, an incredible amount of stress on you unintentionally. Um, so now if I have an idea, it's like, Hey, I think we should do this. Or I'm thinking about this. What do you think? <laughs> you know, does this seem reasonable? Um, or guardian, like we, we talked about, you and I are polar opposite personalities. My best friend, one of my best friends is a guardian. For years, I'm like, man, why are we friends? Like, I hate you. Every idea I have, you just think it's dumb. You tell me it's never going to work. And, and now, like, he's one of the first people I go to when I have an idea. Because now that I get him with five voices, I'm like, now I understand him, right? Know yourself to lead yourself. Know your team to lead your team. Know your friends to lead your friends. Um, now I know him actually know him and why he thinks that way. So if I have a big idea, I'm going to him saying, Hey, what do you think about this? Like, tell me how dumb of an idea this is. So I can put on that body armor. I'm like, shoot away, shoot away at my idea with your interrogator weapon. I can take it. Cause I know now I know he's not criticizing me. He's criticizing the idea and he's going to either get me to a point where, okay, I don't execute on this idea or he brings so much clarity to it. Now I know exactly what to do. So I'm starting to value every voice, a team, I actually starts to become a team and starts to come together. That's a really good point too, about bringing up um, or at least starting out with the idea that behaving this way for the right reasons or whatever, it's being a little bit positive on front and okay, that's just the way they talk. It's not making excuses for people who are continuously jerks or continuously difficult or anything like that. But you know, there's been times where I've, you know, my guardians kicked in. I'm sure I'd, came across poorly. I see the same thing now when I talk to people who might be creatives in my office or people who just are more black and white or more, you know, pioneer minded. You should assume the best at first and make sure, you know, that's where you're okay. They, they can just be coming from this different place than I am. They probably mean it, you know, in the right way. 
start out from that space instead of starting out from, oh, guy, that guy's a jerk or uh, this guy difficult to deal with. So not to say that you, you apologize for people who aren't you know productive and, and pleasant forever, but I think looking at it as you start is a good, is a good place to come from. Yeah. I love that. Assume the best in everyone. And that's difficult. That, that sounds really cheesy and you'll get burned every now and then. But if you assume yeah. the best, things generally are going to work out much better. Those relationships, um, there's not bitterness. Cause like, you know what? He's not a jerk. This is how he's thinking about it. And I don't think that way. And now maybe they are being a jerk. Like I said, mm-hmm. if we just assume like, no, they, maybe they're a guardian. Maybe they're a pioneer. They just think really critically about things. What can I learn from the way that they think? Um, and the, you know, the more we take the time to know people, then we actually are able to connect with them. So now because of this, I'm much more, um, I, I can in a much better way connect with guardians and with nurturers with, with every voice outside of just so my, my kind of voice order is connector, creative pioneer, nurturer, guardian. Now I, I know how to connect with all five voices. So it gives me a lot more influence with those people. Um, I value them a lot more, but if I know people, then I can connect with them. If I can connect with them, then I actually want to work with them. So if your team doesn't know each other, they're not going to be connected. If they're not connected, they're not going to be committed to each other. Uh, They're just going to show up every day because they have to. But when they, when we really start to know each other, a a team starts to come alive. And so I think you also have to look at, if you're a leader, look at the culture of your team, not just how you're leading, but the, the, the voice makeup of your team. What are you missing? Are you a team of dreamers without anybody who actually gets the work done? who can sit down and bring clarity to the work and bring actual execution? Um, or are you the team of, of um, capable tacticians who, who get so stuck in the work, they aren't able to see the future where they need to be going. You need to think about the type of culture you've created on the team based on the voices on your team. We use this a lot in, in hiring. It's not a, a base everything on, on their voice, but is this a, do we, do we have too much of this voice on a team? Is this a voice we need to add to the team because we're lacking um, not just the skill set, but with their actual voice. And so I, I think when you, when you start to see people through their lens, through their voice, um, again, it just, it just makes it the significant piece of the culture of a team uh, when you start to communicate at a high level. Because if you can't communicate, you're just not going to get anything done. So that's what we've got for the five voices. Hope that was helpful for you guys. Again, if you have questions, shoot us emails, tweets. Um, we'd love to walk through any, any questions you have on this. Take the assessment at fivevoices.com. The book is there as well. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Leadership Podcast. That was episode 10. Uh, again, thank you guys for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you would uh, rate and review it on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Uh, check us out on Stitcher as well. Have a great day. We will talk to you soon.